Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Well, just a little bit about myself. I grew up Asheville, born and raised. I went to Inca High School and graduated. But from a very early on, very early age, uh, one of the things I wanted to do when I got older, when you grow up, I wanted to be in the Air Force. From, a, from the earliest point, you know, most of you moms have that book of your kids' school pictures every year, and, and there's questions in there. What do you want to be when you grow up? And from kindergarten all the way through, is like, I want to be in the Air Force. Air Force, Air Force, Air, Air Force. And so when it come time when everybody else was picking colleges, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to the Air Force. And so uh, in 99, I graduated high school. In November that year, I, I went into the, the greatest fighting force in all the military, the United States Air Force. Amen. Is there any other veterans in here? We got any veterans in here? Nope. There we go. What were you in? I'm sorry, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Thank you. Thank you for your service. It's always fun. My, my uncle is in the Navy, so him and I go back and forth all the time. But one of the things about going into the military, here I was, this 18-year-old kid. I was probably the, I think I was the youngest person in my basic training flight. And I'm this kid from Candler, North Carolina. And I go to basic training, and everybody in my basic training outside of one guy is from Chicago, Detroit, or New York City. You're talking about a culture shock. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. They wanted me to freestyle rap. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but it was, a, it was an interesting dynamic. But the whole thing about basic training with all the military is to, to almost eliminate the individual. It, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the mission. It's about... The, the mission of the services. Uh, you know, one of the core values of the Air Force is service before self. And the, they took it to an extreme a lot of times. A perfect example of that, I had a guy that I worked with. His wife was pregnant, and this was right after 9-11, and we were supposed to go to Turkey. And his wife was having complications in her pregnancy, and he was worried about it. And so it was time for us to get ready to leave to go to Turkey. And our flight chief said that it, the Air Force didn't issue you a wife and a kid. You're gone. Needless to say, he got in the flesh. Uh, he got rode up. But, but that's their mindset. They want you to eliminate yourself for the greater cause. You're a part of this greater mission. And the truth can be said also about following Christ. Right? It's, it's all about you. It's all about your kingdom. It's all about building yourself up. It's all about putting yourself on a pedestal. And then Christ calls you and saves you. And then what happens? It's all about his kingdom and his grace, his mercy, and he's on the pedestal. Is, is that not true? And so the truth of the matter is, is that we go through life battling this flesh. It's, it's, sometimes we think it's about my kingdom, right? Uh, just like some of these pastors that, that I've been talking to. You know, if this church was all about me and it was all about my praise and my, you know, look at Adam, look at what he did. Would you guys be here? It's not to toot my own horn, but what you see is, is a lot of pastors get territorial. This is mine. This is my church. I don't want to share. This is me. I want to be, it's got to be my way or the highway. And we can lose sight of the greater kingdom 
of God. But the truth of the matter is, is that God has called us to a greater mission, a greater purpose in life. Uh, Matthew 28 gives us our marching orders. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this is right before uh, Jesus ascends. Jesus ascends into heaven and he's already given the disciples the marching order. And then you guys have been in the book of Acts, which is about this mission that Jesus has put his disciple on going forward. Uh, and and it, you hear the gospel going forward and, and it continues to progress and continues to impro- uh, progress and it goes from the disciples to disciples of the disciples to disciples of the disciples to other disciples. And it just continues to grow. And you see the baton of the gospel being handed off time and time and time again to where the baton is right now in our hands to further God's kingdom and this calling that he has on our church and on our lives. It is this mission. The question that I want to ask you guys to begin with this morning is this. Are you engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ? Are you individually engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ? And that is to to spread the gospel outward, right? Are you engaged in the advancement of his kingdom? Is that something that your life is is all about, the advancement of God's kingdom? Uh, I know a lot of times in, in our society today, what you oftentimes see is the advancement of my own kingdom, I want to gain as much wealth, as much prestige as I can possibly get. It's all about my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom. But that's not what God's kingdom's about. It's ultimately about his kingdom. And dying to ourselves, what? Daily. To advance his kingdom. So if we're being honest, sometimes we, if we're honest, we don't, we don't really know how to engage in the mission of Christ. We don't know, understand how to further the kingdom of God. I know with our people, we've been talking a whole lot about discipleship and, and, and this mission. And, and it's been wild to, to kind of see, like, when it comes down to it, people don't really know how to advance the gospel. Uh, they think, and this is based on church culture, they think, well, if I can just invite somebody to church, that James and Terry will then do what Jesus has commanded us to do. But that's up to each one of us to do, to teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded. That was something several weeks ago on our Wednesday night that our people were almost shocked by is that all of us should be teachers of the gospel. Every single one of us should be teachers of the gospel. And you're like, well, Adam, I'm not a teacher. But that's what Jesus says, to teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And so today what I want to do is I want to to give you some principles that will help you engage in the mission of Jesus and the gospel on a greater scale. And Terry preached Acts 17 last week, which is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture in all the Bible. I I love it. I've probably preached it more than ever. But in Acts 17, Paul does three things. And these are the three principles that I want you to write down, okay? These are the three principles that Paul does. And then we're going to see an example in Acts 18 of the same exact principle, okay? So number one that we see in Acts 17 is know, know, know the gospel. 
know the scriptures. Paul knew the gospel, knew the scriptures very well. He was trained. Uh, he was discipled. And he knew the gospel and knew the, the uh, scriptures very well. The second thing Paul did in Acts 17 is that he observed. Observe. Uh, as he went into the Oropagus there at Mars Hill, what did he do? He said, I have observed that you are what? Very religious. Because they had all these statues of all these different gods all over the place. And they didn't want to offend anybody, so they created another statue that said to the one that maybe we've missed, to the unknown God. Sounds very uh, similar to what we are today. And so Paul used, he knew the gospel, he observed, and then lastly, he connected. Based on what he observed and what he knew with the gospel, he was able to connect with the people where they were and, and shared the gospel with them in their context. That is how Paul did that in Acts 17. So now we get to Acts 18. So if you have your Bibles, that's going to be our text for today. Uh, Acts chapter 18, verse number 24 is where we're going to start. So at the beginning of Acts 18, Paul has arrived in Corinth. And he has met this couple, Aquila and Priscilla. Now, Aquila and Priscilla had been kicked out of Rome, essentially, and, and they were now in Corinth. And what was their occupation? Do you know? They were tent makers, right? They were tent makers. They were bivocational, right? I love it. Well, they were vocational. Well, then Paul teamed up with them to begin to make tents uh, and begin to disciple with them and grow with them. And then we see that Paul, they, they became such great influences with Paul that Paul invited them to go with him to Ephesus, to go on, to go on this missionary journey with him. So that's where we pick up here in verse number 24. So let me read 24 through 28. Okay. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those th who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So, so going back to our three things of know, observe, and connect, the first question we want to ask uh, is, do you know the gospel in God's word? Do you know the gospel in God's word? Romans 1.16 says, For the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes is what? The gospel. It is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation. So what if Priscilla and Aquila, in this context, here they are, they're in this synagogue, they're in Ephesus, they're in this synagogue. What if Priscilla and Aquila didn't know the gospel very well? Uh, they didn't know God's word very well. Here they are, they're hearing this guy named Apollos, who the, the scripture says is, is a native of Alexander, which points to the fact that he's probably well-educated. And then that shows off in how he preached. He said he was an eloquent man, competent. And I love the, the King James that says that he was dynamic. Uh, the word there is dynamite. So he was dynamite 
in the scriptures. And he said he was fervent in the spirit. So here's this dynamic speaker up there. But what would happen if Priscilla and Aquila didn't know the gospel and didn't know God's word? They would be wowed by this guy's giftedness. It didn't really matter what he said. They would be wowed by his giftedness. Uh, I've been, I've had several people in our church and other people, friends of mine that, that know I'm a pastor. They say, they'll say, well, have you ever heard of this guy? And it's a pastor, a preacher. Have you ever heard of him? Man, he's powerful. He's eloquent. He's gifted speaker. And so I'll, I'll pull up a YouTube video and there's times where it's very good. And there's times where I'm like, well, you open the Bible. Right? Well, you open the Bible. But the truth of the matter is if we're not careful, if we don't know the gospel and we don't know scripture, we'll just be wowed by the presentation. No matter what people say. I've told our church before that one Sunday I'm going to get up and just preach heresy the whole Sunday just to see if they could pick up on it. Just to see if they could pick up on it. Do you guys, here's my question, and this is honestly for the whole congregation, and I'm putting James and Terry on the spot. Is what they teach biblically sound doctrine? Or are you just taking their word for it? Do you know the gospel? Do you know scripture? Uh, I, th I thought about it this week. Uh, Terry and I are really good friends. And uh, so we both love music. Okay, And if you guys didn't know this, uh, Terry is an expert at rock band. It's one of the hidden gifts that he has. He's incredible on the guitar. And I'm just telling you right now, uh, him on guitar with Stevie Ray Vaughan, Texas Flood, and me singing Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan, it's almost a religious experience. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. But we love music. We love the similar styles of music and things of that nature. And every now and again, we'll, we'll share musical taste. Well, about two weeks ago, I'm not going to name the artist. You probably know who it is. But a friend of mine said, have you ever heard of this person? I'm like, no. So I pulled up the YouTube video. And man, the music was on point. I mean, it was like everything that I hoped. It was like this mix of country and southern rock. It was like soulful and yeah, right? So I'm like, I know who will like this. My man, Terry. So I send it to Terry. Well, Terry sends me back, why did you send me this? <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, well, and I went, and this is exactly what I did. I went on the YouTube, and I clicked the link to make sure I sent you the right thing. And I'm like, this is good stuff. What is he missing here? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so he, he responded, and I just kind of ignored his comment because I thought he was kidding around with me. So then later on, we had another conversation. He goes, why did you send me that? And I'm like, well, man, it was good. He goes, did you listen to the lyrics? And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I, I start, I, when I'm hearing him singing, I'm like, I can kind of pick, listen, I'm a Pearl Jam fan, so lyrics don't mean anything to me clearly. Um, so I start, he's singing the song and I'm not picking up on it. So I pull up the lyrics. There wasn't any cussing, but it was like atheism, atheism 101. Like, right? It's, it's like fatalism and all this stuff. And of course, Terry picks up on that. But my point in saying this is this. 
If we, get, if we don't know Scripture and we don't know the Gospel, you're going to get caught up in some junk. You're going to get caught up in some junk. Um, and, and you're not going to be able to engage in the mission if you don't know the Gospel or God's Word. Listen, I, one of the things that... Um, Terry and James will understand this, but, but I want you guys to hopefully understand this. If you're listening to a pastor and he's always preaching to your potential, all right, who you can be in God, who you can be, it's all about your potential. You could be greater with God. You could be greater with God. And all they do is preach to potential and there's no repentance involved in their preaching, run. Because the only way you're going to reach your potential is by what? Repenting. So if you're listening to somebody, whether on TV or me or James or Terry, and all you hear is us lifting you up, right? Lift, oh, the potential that God has for your life. Uh, on and on and on. But you never hear, you need to repent of your sin. You're not hearing the full gospel. You're not hearing the full gospel. So not only do you know God's word, but let's flip it for a second. Let's, let's have a subcategory under, are you, um, do you know the gospel? Is this question, are you teachable? Are you teachable? I know early on in my ministry, um, I thought I knew it all. I had all the greatest ideas, the greatest plans. Everybody was going to love me. Everybody's going to love my ideas. I was going to be the next Billy Graham. Every time I preach, the, the, the floodgates are going to bust wide open. But it took me not long to realize that not everybody's going to like me. And so I had some people that were in my life, and Terry was one of them at that time. But when I was serving as a youth pastor, um, I wasn't teachable at all. I was not teachable at all. Like they would come to me and say, hey, Adam, this is for your, your, your best, you know, the best thing for your ministry. And I'd say, my plans are greater than your plans. I wasn't very teachable because I thought I had it all together. Think about Apollos for just a second. Here's Apollos, very eloquent, very educated, very talented, dynamic speaker. He could have sat back and say, well, who are you, Priscilla and Aquila? Who are you guys? You guys aren't gifted like me. You guys aren't gifted like me. Uh, you guys need to just sit down and just listen to my uh, amazement, you know, of what I can bring. But what did he do? He was teachable in that moment. He was absolutely teachable. But here's the truth. One of the things about being teachable is if it's about your kingdom, if it's all about your kingdom and you're up on the pedestal, who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? The only people that you're honestly going to listen to is those who go, you're amazing. You're eloquent. You're a powerful speaker. You're, 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 you're incredible. You know, and Timothy talked about there's going to come a time in which people are going to gather for themselves and they're going to reject sound doctrine and they're only going to surround themselves with people who will tickle the ears. 
So if you're the one, if it's all about you and your kingdom, guess what? The only people you're going to listen to, the only, the only truth you're going to receive is only the praises of men. So are you teachable? And we know that Apollos received it because they ended up uh, writing a letter to send him forward. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Number two, the second thing is observe, is observe. This is critical, okay? Here's the question. Are you observant of those around you? Are you observant of those around you? You think about Paul. Paul was there in the Oropagus, and he, he's observing. He knew what their poets had said. He, he saw that they were very religious. And in, this, and in this moment, Aquila and Priscilla, they were observing what Apollos was teaching. And it says, but when they heard him, as they were listening to the truth, they realized that there was something missing, right? It says that he only knew the baptism of John. Now, I've read commentators all this week, and it's all over the map. But the only point I want to make is that he was missing something. I don't believe that he was preaching heresy so much, but, but he was missing something. But they were there. They were observing. They recognized that he was missing something. Here's the question. Are you observant of the spiritual condition of those around you? Whether it be your coworkers, whether it be family members, whether it be friends, whether it be neighbors, are you observant of the spiritual condition of those around you? Because um, here's what happens. What I've learned is we're oftentimes only aware of our circumstances. We're only aware of our condition. We're only aware of those things that are pertaining to our life, which points to what? It's about me. But being on mission, you've got to be observant of everything around you. Uh, you've got to be observant of the waitress that comes to your table. Maybe there's something you can pray for them about. Maybe you can, maybe the spirit will lead you to talk to them or, or whatever you want to do. But if you're always on mission, you're always going to be observant. One of the things I'm trying to teach our church on is the fact is the gospel story in a nutshell is in everybody's story. And you say, wait a minute, Adam, but it's a false gospel. So let me just play this out for a second. So if somebody says, well, Adam, I am uh, an environmentalist. I'm an environmentalist. So that they find their identity in the environment and cleaning up the environment. Do they not? And, and there's going to be people around here that, that would say that. What do they think sin is? Man polluting the earth. Right? That, is, that is the sin. That is the fall. That is the problem that they're facing is man uh, polluting the earth. What is their hope? What is their salvation, if you will? That man will stop polluting the earth. That we will, what, recycle, reuse, replenish, that type of thing. Because ultimately, what's their hope? An earth with no you know, pollution and, and a, the earth in great shape. And Mother Earth being healthy. Can you speak the gospel into that situation? Absolutely. Because why? What is our hope? The new heaven and the new earth. Well, there is no sin, right? And I would agree that the problem is man. <laughs> it's the hearts of man. Do we believe in the stewardship of the earth? Absolutely. 
We want to take care. So we can, we can connect with there, and we're going to get there in just a second. But your identity, the only hope that you have is through Jesus and the changing of man's heart. But if you're not observant, you'll miss it. So, so here's the challenge I want to give to you guys this week. Listen to the people around you. Watch TV. Watch movies. Listen to music. What is the hope that is being portrayed? What is the problem that's being portrayed? Because you'll listen to people. I have friends that find their identity in who they're sleeping with or, or social justice issues, and they find their identity in all these things, which, which the truth is God's word speaks to all of that. But you've got to be observant of those around you and be able to eventually connect, right? Connect. So that goes to the fourth point. Or the third, the third point and the third question is, can, do you connect? Do you connect with people? Think about it. If Aquila and Priscilla was there and they knew the gospel, they knew God's word, they observed something missing from his sermon, but they didn't connect with him. They didn't go with him and say, hey, let me help teach you. What would that say about them? Why would they remain silent? Uh, they, they shouldn't remain silent. But a big question that we have to ask is how do we connect? How did they connect, right? If it's about my kingdom, let's play this out here for a second. Let's say that James is sitting here listening this morning. He's like, man, this guy is eloquent. He's powerful in scriptures. He's, he's a great speaker. And, and he's like, man, Adam is a better preacher than me. But here's the truth. If it's about him, one, I probably wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be speaking. But what would he do? Jealousy would begin to well up. Would it not? And so what would he do? If I'm up here and I miss something, if I miss a point or I misspoke or I said something wrong, if it's all about James, what would he do? You're wrong. You're wrong. Or he would go out in the parking lot here. Man, that Adam guy at Westwood, he's a heretic. And what happened? Gossip begins. Gossip would begin. Or, or we, would, we would try to start spreading it amongst our people and, and not trying to connect truly with me in the problem. So what did Priscilla and Aquila do with him, though? They didn't yell at him. They didn't interrupt the synagogue. They didn't go out in the synagogue parking lot and say, hey, let's, let's talk about this Apollos guy. What did they do? It said they took him aside. Some commentaries say that they took him to their house. So they took him in private. And it says that they did what? Explained him the way of God more accurately. Listen, their goal wasn't to tear him down, but to launch him for a greater good. They encouraged him. And that goes to the potential. They saw the potential, but they knew that he needed more help. They knew that he needed more help. But they wanted to launch him and they wanted to encourage him. And we see here in verse 27 and 28 what happened. It says, And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So he clearly received their word. They clearly received the connection they made with him because they launched him. They wrote a letter to launch him into the ministry. And it says, When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was 
Jesus. So in a nutshell, think about what they did. They saw the potential in this man, a very gifted man, a guy that could launch into the kingdom of God and make a greater impact than they ever would. And they took him aside, showed him grace and truth. And what happened? His ministry exploded. We learn in Corinthians that Paul even addressed, he said, there's some of you who says, I am of Paul, which we all love Paul. We think Paul is, he's my favorite guy in the Bible outside of Jesus. Paul's my guy. But in this time, what was it? I am of Paul or I am of Apollos. Apollos' ministry was on the same level as Paul, so his ministry launched. And as Terry and I both agree, and I don't know how James uh, believes, but we're right and he's wrong if he disagrees. But I believe personally that Apollos wrote Hebrews. Right. Amen. Amen. He's just got to say that Apollos wrote Hebrews. Why? Because if you think about Hebrews, what is all Hebrews about? Refuting the Jews using the scriptures to point that Jesus is the Christ. That's the whole point of Hebrews. So this, this, these two tent makers launched a ministry in an incredible, incredible way. So I want to ask this. Simple. Are you engaged in the mission of God? Are you engaged? Some of you may sit there and you say, well, God can't use me of my past or God can't use me for whatever reason. Man, God's grace is sufficient. If God can use Paul, God can use you. Some of you are sitting there, well, Adam, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm not a pastor. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a teacher. I'm not called to preach. What did a Priscilla and Aquila do? They engaged in the mission using the giftedness that God had given them and the opportunities that God had given them. You know, as a young guy, you know, my mission in life was all about me. That was the truth. It was all about me. It was all about my pleasure, my comfort. I wanted all the money in the world. But I had six family members die within a two and a half year, year time period. And the truth is, is every single one of them that died, it was like God was saying, what you're finding important in life is not important. And I come across a CT stud. Um, sounds like a WWF wrestler. But this life will soon pass. And only what's done for Christ will last. And that doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a lay person. It doesn't matter if you run a restaurant, if you're a carpenter. It doesn't matter. You're on mission for Christ. So engage in the mission. Number two, do you know the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Um, you know, that's something that's been kind of interesting with our church, and, and I'm, I love our church. <laughs> but if I ask our people, do you know the gospel? What is the gospel? Share the gospel with me. Going beyond uh, Jesus died for my sins is complicated for them. So I, I'm hopeful that maybe you guys are, are practicing that. Practice with each other if you have a husband or wife. Ask each other, what is the gospel? And share the gospel with one another. If you don't have a spouse, find a friend. It doesn't matter. Find each other in your MCs. What is the gospel? And I would hope that you could articulate the gospel and know the gospel with a firm foundation to be on mission for Christ. Are you observant? Are you observant? Uh, don't just be observant about the things of God when you're under this tent. Be observant all the time because you're on mission all of the time. It's not just on Sunday morning. It's not just let me try to get them to, to church, but be observant. What is the spiritual condition of the people around you? 
your coworkers, your friends, your family? What is their spiritual condition? What do they find their hope in? What do they find their identity in? What is the sin in their life? Just be observant. Because you've got to be observant and understand where they are before you, you can do what? Lastly, connect. You even attempt to connect. And I'm sure James and Terry would say, you know, if they were to say something wrong or heretical or something like that, I would hope that somebody in the congregation would be willing to go and say, hey, man, pull them aside and say, hey, you know, let me ask you a question about something you said. Now, they may have misspoke. I do it all the time. I probably have 10 times this morning. And they might could clear it up. But what you can't have happen is, oh, James, <laughs> He's a heretic. Let me start spreading it around the church about James, how he missed this point, how he does. Listen, that's not the point. You know, Matthew 18 talks about, quote unquote, church discipline, but it's what we're talking about. It's how to connect with people. If you hear something wrong or you see a sin in somebody's life, what does it say to go to them in private? Not gossip. Go to them in private. If they don't receive the word, then what does it say? You take it a step further, take people with you. But are you engaged in the mission of God? Because here's what I know. It's the greatest mission that this world can ever offer. And it's amazing to me that the creator of the universe wants to use us to engage in this mission. So are you engaged? Know the gospel, observe those around you, and connect with those using truth and grace. Let's pray. Father, uh, I just, I'm thankful this morning to, to be able to share your word. And God, again, I want to say what an honor it is to, to be on mission for you. Lord, help me to be a, build your kingdom. Help me to be about your kingdom. Seek first your kingdom and not my own. Lord, help me to die to myself and my kingdom daily, but just to build you, yours up more and more in my life. Lord, help me to engage in the mission. Help me to see the lostness around me. Help me to recognize that the gospel still saves and is still the power of yours to save. It still works. So God, help me to share the gospel as much as I can. And help me to connect with people with truth and grace. Help me not to be about gossip or trying to tear somebody down, but God, to see the potential and their giftedness that you've given them and to try to build them up to make a greater impact for the kingdom. God, I thank you for each life, and I pray that we all partner for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.